How about this? Let's Let's take that all over. (laughs) (laughs) I got messed up there. Look up what the hell Star Search is. It's a reality show. You guys don't know what Star Search is? (laughs) 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 It was uh, it was American Idol. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that supports all four of the star franchises, Wars, Trek, Gate, and Search. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me is my brother, Peter. Howdy. And Ryan's here this week. Give him thumbs up. He's going to be silent as usual. All right. So before we get anywhere in this episode, this hit the internet today, and I wanted to bring it up. It, it was a little touching kind of sad when I put it into perspective, but I wanted to read this. This is a tweet from Chris Evans. It reads, officially wrapped on Avengers 4. It was an emotional day to say the least. Playing this role over the last eight years has been an honor to everyone in front of the camera, behind the camera, and in the audience. Thank you for the memories. Eternally grateful. Spoilers. I know. (laughs) So what I got out of that was... uh, Avengers 4 has finished uh, filming, or at least Chris Evans has finished filming. I just saw that one was a little touched because I was like, oh no, this could mean this character is no longer with us. This could mean that Chris Evans is just no longer with us. We really don't know. Right. But I mean, it does sound like a good like farewell tweet, like, I'm glad I took part in this, now I'm going to go on and do different <laughs> things. But I'm not going to be like the internet and look too into every little thing that's posted. So. Right. We can just let it be, but that's kind of a cool little thing he... It was a cool little thing, there, and so. I when I saw it, I saw it like about an hour or so before we sat down to record, and I wanted to pull it aside, <laughs> and I'm like, we gotta look at this, so... Nice. Um, what are we watching this week? Okay, so um, I actually wanted to save this for this episode, but I've been watching um, The Dragon Prince on Netflix. Are you familiar with this series I'm at all? I'm not, or? so, okay, so tell me tales of dragons. Have you watched uh, Avatar The Last Airbender at all? Are you familiar with the series? I'm very familiar with the series. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of Dave Filoni, one of the supervising writers slash directors, okay. artists, whatever, on that show, because he went on and did The Clone Wars yeah, for exactly. Star Wars and then Rebels, and now he's head of Lucasfilm Animation. I'm a big <laughs> fan of Dave's, so I know very much about Last Airbender. Yeah. However, I have never, never watched, watched okay. any of it. Last Airbender is a really, really good kids cartoon series. I keep um, hearing it's not. It's more of like a in between, like so. It's, it's definitely it's series. definitely focused at kids, but uh, you're right. It's people of all ages can enjoy it. And uh, what happened is two of the writers of, like, the head writers of um, Avatar went on and were hired by Netflix to start the series The Dragon Prince. So The Dragon Prince, if I could describe it, it's a uh, fantasy, uh, medieval fantasy series. The animation is very similar to Star Wars Resistance. So it has that, you know, 3D model characters that are kind of made to look like 2D animation, if that makes sense, like the cell-shaded 3D characters. It's, so far, the series is awesome. Um, I'm only, like, three episodes in. I was actually hoping to watch a little bit more, but just life has been pulling me different ways, so I've had a chance to get super caught up on it. But so far, the series is great. It's, um, you can kind of see, if any, if any of the audience members have watched Avatar, you can kind of see 
similar characters and some of the main characters in this show, but um, it's just kind of... Uh, I'm trying to think of how the best way to pitch this show. It's a long time ago humans lived with magical creatures and as humans often do as they do yeah they screwed up and uh caused a rift between the human world and the magical world so this whole series takes place on this giant island that's separated in half by all the magical creatures live on one side and all the humans live on the other side it's divided by a big mountain range that's guarded by um that's guarded by uh, dragons that are keeping them from each side. Right, okay. And uh, I can't remember if it's the humans. I think the rift might have been caused because the humans killed the prince of the dragons, and uh, that just kind of caused everything to kind of uh, go berserk, <laughs> for lack of a better term. <laughs> right. right. Anyway, so uh, because the humans killed the uh, king of the dragons. There's a group of elf assassins who are coming to the hu- the human's land to kill the human's king, and that's kind of where it starts out. Um, the elf assassins are so cool. Like, they're like these medieval ninja-style characters, and uh, it's just... It's hard because I haven't watched enough of the series to pitch it that well, but it's, like, so well done for what it is. The animation's awesome. The background's awesome. Um, one of the things that, one of the drawbacks a lot of people have been talking about is that the frame rate is kind of slowed down with the characters. And I think it's what they're trying to do is they're trying to use 3D animation to be more of a, trying to make it look more like traditional 2D hand-drawn stuff. So they slowed down the frame rate. And that's the one bad thing about the series so far is that certain parts where the characters are talking and just doing slower moving everyday stuff it kind of looks a little bit robotic in certain ways but with that being said some of the action scenes are so great like there's a lot of really cool sword fighting scenes and uh some of the scenes where like uh the elves do a lot of these moves that i would compare it to uh in the movie Ninja Scroll, you know how like a lot of the ninja characters will jump from tree tree limb to tree limb and sure. do cool. The elves do that a lot, and it looks so cool. It's like a like just as smooth and interesting as uh, the Disney's Tarzan movie when Tarzan was doing the sure okay stuff. So this is all over the place, but the series is really cool. So I definitely recommend checking it out. All right, so. very cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I watched Ocean's Eight. Um, okay. So it's the next installment of the Ocean series. This is so if you've seen Ocean's 11 with George Clooney and, you know, Brad Pitt and the Ocean's 12, mm-hmm. 13, this is Ocean's 8. It's all female cast, Sandra Bullock, and it's actually connected cuz Sandra Bullock is the is playing the sister of George Clooney's character, okay. Daniel Ocean. Here's my review. Um I it's definitely worth a watch if you liked the Ocean's movies. But I would wait for it to be, like, on USA. Um, I know that's not the best review I can give you, but my problem with it was the stakes weren't high enough. <laughs> like, I watched when you watch the casino heist in the first one, when you finally get to this one, I just didn't feel like the stakes were... Hmm. Like, I just... It was almost like, well, it's this isn't nearly as big as the other stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, all these women are funny. And... You know, it. they do, like, as actors, they're phenomenal. So nothing against that, nothing against the script. I just didn't feel... 
that sense of urgency and that sense of I wasn't on the edge of my seat at all, mm -hmm. you know. So, I mean, but I liked the connections to the other series. And so it's definitely worth a sit if you like the Ocean series. I just would wait until, like, you're for sure getting it for free. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> or, I mean, is it worth red, like, getting I mean, it red I mean, maybe. Or? If you like the Ocean series, give it a shot. If you're okay. sitting around Sunday afternoon and there's nothing to watch but Ocean's 8's about to start, fire it up. You know what right. I mean? So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just wouldn't. I just wouldn't rush to see it, and I didn't know what I thought when I knew they were making it. But I know it's not the best review, but I did watch it this week. <laughs> nice. um, however, this week is uh, so a couple things are coming. Venom comes out this weekend. Um, I know Ryan and I are going on Sunday to see it. Yeah, uh, just because of weekend plans. You're gonna try um, and see it before yeah, next week. So yeah. here's a spoiler warning now. Uh, we are going to spoil the crap out of this movie when we come back and talk because the movie's getting some weird up and down reviews right now and the movie hasn't even come out for the general public yet. Um, I don't know what to think about that. I don't really want to listen to it because it's all just irrelevant. You know, it, there's that argument where like you want to complain about a comic book movie but you don't actually read the comic books. So, <laughs> um, you know, and I've heard some things that have made me like question but I don't really know. Yeah. So, but I'm excited, and that's all that matters. And you know, and I will say that I found out uh, that there are two post-credit scenes. Um, so make sure you wait till the end of the credits, everybody. Mm -hmm. um, but Marvel taught us all to sit through the credits, so we're sitting through credits. <laughs> and um, some, but some people haven't learned yet, which is kind of crazy. Right. But, exactly. Um, I heard something interesting. Have you heard about the uh, rumored smear campaign done by Lady Gaga fans towards Venom? No. Are you familiar? Is that so, because the Star is Born yes, is coming so out? Yes, so A Star is Born starring uh, Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper is coming out this weekend. And supposedly there's a big smear campaign of Lady Gaga fans trying to give Venom bad reviews to like get people to see A Star is Born instead. Okay, so that is not entirely far-fetched. I, I don't believe it's far-fetched. I learned but... about some things this week that I wasn't sure if I was going to talk about because I didn't really know how to approach it, but you're giving me the great platform to <laughs> approach it. There you go. Um, Star Wars The Last Jedi came out last Christmas and was met with very mixed reviews amongst the Star Wars community. That's fine. But if you look at the internet bashing of the movie, there was a study done based on like traffic to certain websites like Rotten Tomatoes and other places to bash the film. And the study found out that the majority of the people saying negative things about Star Wars The Last Jedi Online are all bots. Mm -hmm. They're not actually real people. It's computer programs designed to do that, which that's a horrible thing. <laughs> if you don't like the movie, you don't like the movie. But hearing that Lady Gaga fans are trying to bash Venom <laughs> to get people to not see yeah. Venom because this Lady Gaga movie is coming out. Again, that's a... Like, I, I don't know <laughs> if it's true. I just thought it was interesting. <laughs> I just I guess what I'm saying is like... Just I prefer to w just go see a movie for myself and decide. Yeah, I'm not we said listen to anybody else's we said opinion. on the first episode that the mm -hmm. most important opinion for anything we watch or consume is our own. Exactly. So and, and not not and for the audience listening at home, that doesn't mean we're the uh, authority. It's the <laughs> no. I mean y your opinion for, for me. It's my opinion is the most important. Yeah. For Peter, his opinion is the most important. You know exactly. So. And your opinion should be the most important for you. Um, with all being this being said, I've heard. A Star is Born is really great too. So I mean, I I've heard the movie. I've heard the movie is great, so. and it's one of the first movies to get Oscar attention mm -hmm. or early Oscar attention. So it's probably a phenomenal movie. So. But I think Venom could still kick those characters' asses. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. 
so this weekend is also an event I'm going to. I'm going to see Game of Thrones in concert this weekend. Um, I'm really excited awesome. about this. We are like well beyond a year without a season of Game of Thrones, and I'm starting to get a bad itch. <laughs> but the idea of going to Game of Thrones in concert seemed really cool. Um, the I went to Star Wars in concert a few years ago. It was amazing, full orchestra playing the score, big screens showing off the um, footage of the movies and mm-hmm. stuff. So same kind of thing, Game of Thrones. I'm just I'm really excited. So that's really. But fun. this episode drops after both. This episode will be posted after both Venom and Game of Thrones in concert are out. So hey, they were great. I loved them. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> they were awesome, and there was that one scene that Venom did the thing. Yeah. No. <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, uh, that's really all I got. Um, and then in terms of reading stuff, I've been reading a lot of D&D lore lately because oh, I haven't played wow. Dungeons & Dragons in a really long time and I'm kind of itching to, so... <laughs> that's oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, you want to move on to news? Yeah, that sounds good to me. Great. Um, I want to roll through some of these quickly just because I feel like we've been talking a lot sure. in the upfronts. So if you're listening to this for the first time, we do this in two parts. We're going to talk some news, and then we're going to discuss a top five list of things that we like, because the whole point of doing this is to talk about things that we like. So um, first, let's talk about the Titans trailer. So DC streaming app has got a Teen Titans show coming out. Yeah, I mean, there was a, so there was a trailer dropped earlier this week, and then there was another one dropped today. Both of them show a lot of the same footage. You see a little bit more of uh, Raven's kind of Raven's backstory in one of them. You see a little bit more of uh, Starfires in the other one. Um, And then you also kind of catch a glimpse that spoilers, Beast Boy and Raven were imprisoned, and Beast Boy was in the same prison prison as Raven, at least so it seems. Um, And they both break out, and then I don't know if Robin or Starfire finds them first and how it all goes down, but from what I've seen of these trailers, it just is putting more faith in this for the show. So this, the trailer came out and I guess they did a premiere for the first, um, episode or episode or two or whatever. And, uh, the audience was just blown away. And I saw a lot of responses saying, DC, you had me interested. Now you have my attention. Mm -hmm. You know, those kind of reviews, like people are like praising this already. Um, yeah, you get to see a beast boy change. Awesome. Uh, you get to see a really good glimpse of uh, Dove, played by Minka Kelly. I like that. And then um, it, overall, it just looks good. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm excited. There's... I don't have a lot to say about it, just because mm-hmm. it's more footage from what we saw in the original trailer. But... Yeah. I mean, they're just showing more of the characters' powers off more and more. And it just looks so cool. Like, you're seeing more Beast Boy transformations. You're seeing Raven do crazy dark magic stuff starfires shooting more of her star bursts and stuff at people and then it comes down to robin and they're like you know what can we do with robin to make him look as cool as these people with all these powers and we're gonna make and him then, beat the crap out of everybody <laughs> well not, all, not only that <laughs> violently they, they have him do the sweet darth maul pole pose where he holds his staff sideways <laughs> and it extends on both ends and like knocks these criminals out of the way it's so cool so right i'm excited um, since uh, we're on DC, a Harley Quinn trailer released because uh, DC is going to do a Harley Quinn animated show on their streaming app. Harley Quinn has become one heck of a household name. Uh, she was introduced originally on the animated series in the 90s. She became one of the most popular DC characters. She then becomes like the face of the movie Suicide Squad when it came out. And then now she's getting an animated show. And I love... 
the fact that Harley is being voiced by Kaylee Cuoco from <laughs> Big Bang Theory. Um, I laughed all the way through that trailer. I watched it three times because I laughed all the way through the trailer and was half paying attention. <laughs> so, um, no, I just, I'm really, I thought it looked great. They don't show anything because she's talking directly to the camera. It's all fourth wall breakage. Yeah. So she makes a joke at Deadpool. She makes a joke at the DC universe. Yeah. So, no, it's great. It's, uh, it makes me wonder because you see Harley and you see Poison Ivy in the trailer. And it makes me wonder is like, this going to be an adult swim style show where it's just about Harley and different criminals hanging out in Arkham, or is it actually going to be like out on the streets for certain parts and them getting into various fights and criminal hijinks and stuff like that. But, uh, in general, (laughs) just, just ignore that random noise in the background. Um, if that made the audio, Peter dropped his pen and I was Um, concerned what I dropped. (laughs) (laughs) Um, in general, we'll I think, fix it and post it. Yeah. In general, I think this looks pretty great. Um, I'm kind of. I was kind of thinking that the Harley Quinn show is going to be more of a Saturday morning cartoon vibe for some reason. I thought it was going to be more family friendly, but I'm digging the Adult Swim comedy vibe of right. this so far. So, um, and then another trailer, which I feel. I feel like not everyone is going to jump on the DC streaming app right away, so I don't feel like we're really spoiling anything talking about mm-hmm. these trailers. However, the next piece, we do have to give a spoiler warning, I think. Um, so this is your warning. If you want, jump ahead a few seconds until um, we're done talking about it. But the Dark Phoenix trailer released. Um, so, again, this is a spoiler warning. We're going to talk very briefly about the trailer, like kind of try and be discreet like we do with Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. and we'll go from there. So... Uh, yeah, jump ahead if you need to. So, first reactions on the Dark Phoenix trailer. I watched it. I thought it looked really good. I don't have a ton to say besides just uh, speculations about Jessica Chastain's character. Yeah, so, okay. My first reactions, trailer looks awesome. Yeah. Uh, it looks It looks to be what I want it to be. And then because of this, now not because of the trailer, now because we knew the movie was coming, I actually have just recently reread the Dark Phoenix oh, saga. nice. And they actually covered a lot of the Dark Phoenix story stuff in X-Men First Class. Hmm. Like a lot of the stuff with the Hellfire Club was covered in X-Men First Class. So this is going to be, a, a, I think, a minor departure, but it still looks like they're doing the story justice. From just the trailer footage. Mm-hmm. Jessica Chastain's character has had me has me very confused <laughs> because of a character. Because if you were following the X-Men movies, this is she looks like a character that we've already seen depicted. And is that Emma Frost? It, is that it, it's Emma Frost. Okay. That's what I'm thinking. I think she looks exactly like yeah. Emma Frost, and we've already seen Emma Frost played by another actor. Now, if she is Emma Frost, I have no problem with the cast change, but I'd rather I I prefer the studios to be a little more forthcoming and go, "Hey, we recasted this person." <laughs> so, that's what I when like, I first You don't saw go it. into a James Bond movie knowing that it's not a it's not, you know, the previous James Bond. Mm-hmm. So. And like the X-Men mo- X-Men movie franchise in general has recasted and there's so many inconsistencies that it wouldn't be a big deal if they just simply recast Emma Frost white white queen, but when I first saw the trailer, that's who I was thinking immediately was Emma Frost. As soon as I saw Jessica Chastain, then supposedly people were thinking she was some other random minor character. It kind of just sounded really random. And then from what I think Simon Kinberg said, she is an amalgam of multiple characters. 
I think was oh, his latest statement. So she might be a completely original character specifically to this movie. So Oh, and I'm okay with that. Okay. I'm just I'm okay with that because so this is that thing where you gotta take the comic book from the page or the novel from the page mm-hmm. and adapt it to the screen and sometimes you gotta make changes. Right. Sometimes they're not for the best, but some but you gotta understand in a comic book you're looking at a picture with dialogue and you gotta adapt that to the screen. And sometimes the costumes might not look right. You know, sometimes the dialogue might not come out exactly yeah. the same. But then when you look at a novel and you have like a 30-page description on what the table of food looked like, that takes 20 seconds on screen. Mm-hmm. You know, a quick pan over the you know table and you saw it. So the way I look at it is you're going to have some minor deviations, but there's not much you can do about that. If she's supposed to be Emma Frost, that's fine. But yeah. I kind of look at it going, everything looks great right now. Uh, Sophie Turner was recently on uh, the uh, James Gordon show, and she talked a little bit about it when they aired the trailer. I watched the interview. She seems really excited about it, you know. So when you have the actors all excited, that kind of just – it kind of sends a good vibe. Oh, yeah. You and know? that's kind of uh, – like I I've, have really enjoyed the X-Men movies since first class – Especially First Class and Days of Future Past. Since First and, Class, you didn't like the other ones? No, I did like the other ones. Okay. But <laughs> I think since since then, I think they've just taken it up Oh, since notch. when um, First Class came out, they definitely went up a notch. And yeah. And they've definitely got way better than the original three. Exactly. Now, um, believe me, I liked the original handful too, but... Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, but I just think seeing this trailer, it just makes me just think of... First Class and Days of Future Past were my favorite out of the new ones, and it just feels like they're continuing that with just solid character work. It looks like it's a really good story. There's nothing in the trailer I cringed at. The special effects look good. Like, it looks promising so far, right. so. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, spoilers over. You can go back to your general programming <laughs> now. Um, yeah, that's all I got to say about Dark Phoenix, so... Um, until we know more, until uh, the movie comes out, you know that's supposed to be uh, February fourteenth, by the way. So um, Valentine's Day movie, which is good because you know if you know the story well enough, it kind of a love story. <laughs> At any rate, uh, I have one more piece of news I want to talk about, and then we'll move on to the list. The Star Wars, the Disney streaming app that's eventually going to launch, has a live action Star Wars show coming to the app. It's going to be written and directed by John Favreau. We found out in the past week, or at least I was doing some digging, found out that Dave Filoni, who directed Clone Wars and Last Airbender, like you brought up earlier, he will be directing three of the episodes of this series. And I guess they have another director that's going to help as well. But I thought that was really cool because I think there's a lot of us at this point because of how well Clone Wars turned out. I think we're all wanting Lucasfilm to say, hey, Dave, why don't you come over and actually do a feature film? Yeah. And then there's so. there's also people who have who had been hoping for a long time that Dave would take over as like the new George Lucas and right, oversee exactly. everything. So they finally released some details about the new show. Um, if you if you go to StarWars.com right now, there is an image from the show of the main character. Oh, nice! I never yeah, saw that. But I want to read this to you guys real quick. So the show is actually going to be titled The Mandalorian. Now, before I read the very brief synopsis, if you're not familiar with Star Wars, the Mandalorians were a race of people who, uh, they basically just didn't like the Jedi, so they became a uh, military force to combat the Jedi. 
Like they don't, they're not force users, but they basically were like, we're going to, you know, be able to combat the Jedi and fight against them and not be a part of their wars and not be a part of the stuff going on in the galaxy. And they became some of the most feared warriors in the galaxy. Yes, Peter, that's the image. Um, a lot of people know the Mandalorians because Boba Fett from the Star Wars series famously wears Mandalorian armor. His father, Jango Fett, famously wears Mandalorian armor. This is where I thought this was interesting. Oops, I just changed the uh, image. Okay, so the Mandalorian, It's this, this is the story synopsis. After the stories of Jango and Boba Fett, another warrior emerges in the Star Wars universe. The Mandalorian is set after the fall of the Empire and before the emergence of the First Order. We follow the travels of a lone gunfighter in the outer reaches of the galaxy, far from the authority of the New Republic. Okay, so what that tells me is this is, takes place between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, if you're trying to do your continuity. Awesome. So we get a 10-episode series on this. We don't know if they're going multiple seasons. It could just be the 10 episodes. Honestly, I think what would be really cool is if they did 10 episodes on this guy and then go pick another character and do 10 episodes. And, like, every time they do 10 episodes, it's a whole new piece to fill in that 30-year yeah, time gap. Awesome. But, so that kind of gives you an idea of time period. My problem with that statement is if you watch all the Star Wars continuity, including Clone Wars specifically, there is an episode where they they tell you that Jango Fett and Boba Fett were not Mandalorians. So I'm not calling Lucasfilm out on this. It's it's a continuity thing. They're not Mandalorians. They just wear the armor, and it's basically they wear the armor because of infamy. And so what you read is the official synopsis. That's the official synopsis released by John Favreau. So I wonder if that's just John Favreau Rowe knows that most people know Mandalorians from Boba Fett. He and probably Django, does, and he's but putting out a general statement for the general audience. Right, to he consume. probably does. I look at that saying, you know, I, I want to make sure people <laughs> you see that, and you're like, wrong. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to point out and say wrong. I'm kind of looking at it going. I don't want the non-readers of the or the average fan. To go, oh my god, Boba Fett movie or Boba Fett show. That's not what this is. Yeah. And if you watch the Clone Wars, if you read the comics that are associated with that, if you watch the Rebel television series, the Mandalorians are so badass, they make Boba Fett look stupid. And the Mandalorians are awesome. And they make Boba Fett look the way look, you know, they make Boba Fett look like a chump. <laughs> so yeah. we all like Boba Fett. He looks cool. There's no there's no <laughs> argument there, but he's nothing compared to what these guys really are. Yeah. And that's what I'm really excited about, then exploring that. Because mm-hmm. they've explored it in the Clone Wars, they explored it in Rebels, and it was awesome, but this is on a live action scale, and we just always want to see that armor doing cool stuff. Yeah. So to me, um, I think it's cool. Uh, John Favreau. I remember there's a rumor I heard a couple weeks back that oh he's going to be doing a Mandalorian series. That was like kind of I heard that in hushed yeah. tones on the internet or something. And now that, that that has come out, it's just like oh wow that dream came true. But I mean John Favreau is obviously a great director. He's Everything he's been involved in. I mean, everything from Elf to Iron Man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, John Favreau is great. Yeah, and then uh, it's also, I love that uh, the description just sounds like such a space western. Like, it's literally like the Wild West, like outside of the reaches of, uh, what was it? What was the wording? Outside of the reaches of the... The galaxy, of the New Republic. New Republic, there you go. Um, And that's just so awesome, because like, for me and Star Wars, some of my favorite stuff is that sort of... 
seedy underbelly like organized crime world of you know i love the huts i love when they go to the uh like underbelly of coruscant and is that episode two when they go down there and the guy's selling death sticks and stuff yeah i just love that sort of cd <laughs> would you like to buy some of, death sticks? Yeah, yeah exactly I, I love that stuff in star wars well so this makes me really excited in the cd underbelly of things well first off john favreau played <laughs> he voiced the one of the Mandalores, one of the Mandalorians in the Clone Wars television series, and John Favreau voiced one of the characters in Solo, which Ryan finally saw. Actually, mm-hmm. he could have brought that up in the watch segment, but he didn't say anything, <laughs> so it's all good. Uh, since Ryan finally saw Solo, that whole movie is just I I rewatched it as well, and it's fantastic. And it's so it's just as good as I remember seeing it from the theaters. But that's another CD underbelly. The whole movie's CD underbelly yeah. in the galaxy. Um, so I really hope they do more with that. But for sure. With that being said, um, actually, I think that's it for news. I think so. I really much. do. Yeah. Um, so we're going to move on to our list. So, hey, if this is the first time you're listening, we're moving on to our second part of the show. We're going to discuss uh, – we like talking about things that we like. So every episode we talk our top five favorite something. So today we're actually talking about our top five favorite movies from 1986. Yep. Now, I gave the last time we did a year – I gave you a count of how many times I technically would have been in the theater. Now, to show my age, I was six years old in 1986, so I wasn't in the theater for all these. But of the of the uh, movies, I watched 35 of the movies that came out in 1986, nice. just in my own viewing. Okay. So, you know, I thought I'd bring that up. Um, also, the best picture for this year, did you look up the right list? Yes. Okay, the best picture <laughs> for this year was Platoon. Yeah. So, okay, we all looked at the correct list this time. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't going to make that mistake twice. <laughs> um, so, this was your pick for a list. Mm-hmm. Do you have any reasoning behind this? Do you want to um, give us a setup at all? It's or? mostly, it was the year I was born, um, and my birthday was recently, so I thought it would be fun to do, and I love 80s movies, so I thought it would be an awesome list to tackle. Sure. Um, well... Yeah, so I actually thought some movies, there are some movies that I expected to be on this list that weren't because I had my years mixed up, but that's okay because, mm-hmm. you know, I knew at least two of the movies that came on the list. So, <laughs> all right, well, I will, uh, my first, I have two honorable mentions. Um, these, so if you're listening for the first time, we allow two honorable mentions. These are movies that just are items on our list that just don't barely make the first that cut you're just like i can't decide but i'm i want to shout them out basically mm-hmm. um so the first one i'm gonna talk about is short circuit nice um oh this list has to be ranked by the way because it's a year that's a rule we created so uh, my first uh, honorable mention is short circuit um I really liked this movie. It's really funny. It's basically, you know, the robot, the military robot that gets zapped by lightning and gets a personality of his own. Um, It's just really fun. I, you know, I was a kid when I saw this, so the idea was great. Um, I liked the second one a little bit better for some reason, but this movie was... The second one where he turns into the punk rock? Yeah, the second one where he gets all the punk, like, (laughs) you know, he gets the mohawk and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. and yeah... The second one, I can't, I can barely remember these movies that well, but like the second one is maybe more action packed. I don't know. Like, is the um, first one, because I feel like that's a trend with a lot of old movies where the first one's like a little bit slower because it's the old. So the first one then... was slow to start and mm-hmm. then it got action packed at the end because they have to, because they're going after the robot. Yeah. Um, the second one was more action-packed in general because there was a lot of action sequences, but it was also more comedic. Okay. Like, it was funny, where this one 
was a little more serious. Kind of like Gremlins Gremlin, and yeah. Gremlins 2. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Um, yeah, is, so that's is my... the second one with the evil robots he has to fight, or is that the first one? Um, I think the first one is with the evil robots, because okay. I think the second... Yeah, the, se- the first one... The first one is what they send basically... So the military's created all these, like, robots to... Uh, be like a military weapon and one gets zapped by lightning and kind of gets a mind of its own like its own personality so then it escapes and kind of the story writes itself it kind of becomes a little bit of a romantic comedy if you will in a way but they send the military robots actually after it to destroy it so it has to fight the robots when you get to the second one it's more of a he's still out there doing his thing but um, honestly I don't remember the conflict in the second one at all (laughs) I don't know why but I don't so it's okay. Yeah. Save it for 88 or whenever that came Yeah, <laughs> when we do that year, we'll talk about it then. So, nice. yeah, that was my first honorable mention. Okay, nice. Um, the first honorable mention on my list is One Crazy Summer. This is a John Cusack movie where uh, he's kind of, uh, he misses out on a basketball scholarship. I really like this movie, by the yeah. way, so go ahead. And he, uh, he ends up going to uh, Nantucket to kind of... Uh, figure out where his life is going while also working on a uh, art project to get himself into the school he wants to go to. This is technically the uh, sequel to Better Off Dead. So that's what I've heard, and I don't know if I've seen Better Off Dead. I didn't know if it was an unofficial sequel or... I think it's kind of like the... Uh, here. It's Better Off Dead's the one with the ski race. It's the one with the ski okay. race and the and paper boy with the I want my $2. And it's very similar to the uh, Stan Darsh South Park episode we talked about on yeah. the adult cartoon yeah. episode of our podcast. Um, the Better Off Dead, the, whether it's a sequel or unofficial sequel, however you want to word that, right. John Cusack's the same main character. Mm-hmm. He's the same character regardless. Okay. And the cartoons that he draws and stuff, yeah. it's the same kind of ilk. So it's basically like we want to make two movies with this guy and they, you know... Yeah. They're somewhat different. Who knows? So. <laughs> and you don't necessarily have to watch one movie to get what's going on with the other. Right. Um, this movie, since you mentioned, he draws, he's drawing like a comic book the whole time, which is his project he's doing to get into this design school. And uh, so the whole time the movie is mixed between kind of what's going on in his real life, and then they'll do segues between scenes and stuff that are animated that's kind of the images he's drawing in his comic animated like he he is uh he depicts himself as this big cartoony rhino i think or hippo or yeah. something and uh kind of has all these cartoony characters he draws and that's i mean that's kind of one of my guilty pleasures in movies is anything that mixes 2d animation and live action i just love um but yeah this movie is just in general i just think it's hilarious there's a lot of good moments there's a great boat race at the end there's uh a part of the movie where a guy dresses up in a Godzilla costume and destroys a miniature city. And there's also the whole time... That's actually a really good scene in the movie, too. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's amazing. And then there's also a a movie being filmed in Nantucket that's basically Jaws, but it's about, like, a rabid dolphin, I think, or something. And so there's all these hijinks with this animatronic dolphin swimming around at the beach and it's just really funny, a lot of fun, and I like it It's like your... It was basically like your teen comedy summer movie before that was really like a genre right you know um but yeah so in all seriousness go check out better off dead and one crazy summer because they're they're both solid movies Mm -hmm. so sweet yeah all right so my next honorable mention is ferris bueller's day off 
Nice. That is actually my next honorable mention. Oh, sweet. Too, so. Okay. <laughs> um, I gave you that look when I said that because I was hoping I wasn't like poo-pooing something like, you know, on your actual list. Like, oh, oh no, I no. didn't like it's that nearly as better as you. Um, Ferris Bueller, the only reason um, Ferris Bueller does not make my actual top five is because I feel like it gets overplayed and overquoted. Yeah. Like, the general public, I feel, has ruined this movie for me, <laughs> even though I really like this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the uh, the the scene in the classroom with Ben Stein, and he's going, Bueller, Bueller. <laughs> like, that's not funny anymore because it got overquoted. It was funny at the time, yeah. but that's, like, there's so many good quotable scenes from that yeah. movie, and that's not... Like, okay, there's a scene, and he's... So Ferris Bueller does a lot of fourth wall breakage, and he talks to the camera a lot. So there's a scene in the movie where he's in the bathroom of the restaurant, and he's talking to the camera, and he's leaving the bathroom, and as he's leaving, he tips the guy, and as he walks out, he grabs a mint from the <laughs> container, and he goes, mint? Yeah. Um, every time I'm at a restaurant and I grab a mint on my way out, I say that. <laughs> Like, it's like a reflex. I just do it all the time. (laughs) There are great quotable lines. Like, there's a scene um, where Cameron in the movie, he tells Ferris over the phone, I'm dying. And Ferris says, you're not dying. You just can't think of anything good to do. I say that to people all the time. Mm -hmm. It's it's like a reflex. So there's some great... it's funny because it's... Well, you're talking about the Ben Stein Bueller line, but... You're naming stuff that's also funny in the movie that people don't quote. Yeah, there's so many quotable things like that. There's so like people focus on certain aspects and they think it's the funniest part, and like it's not. There's all this great stuff in the movie. Um, So the movie's great, but the only reason it doesn't make my top five is because there's some other stuff that I really want to talk about. But I feel like the public has kind of ruined this movie a little bit in terms of its overuse. (laughs) So. I, I mean, I totally, I totally agree. Um, this movie, I also think, is great. And I love the way it's written and how many good lines are from it. When I first saw it, it was one of the coolest things I had seen. But like you said, I think the general public has overplayed and overquoted this movie so much that it's. it just seems so... It seems a bit cliche and, like, it's harder for me to say it's as much of a favorite movie as maybe I would at some point. But I do really like it. I think it's really good. Um, You're talking about a lot of quotable lines from it. uh, And I was, it kind of reminded me some of the funniest parts of this movie is more of the deadpan humor. Like a lot of the humor without the lines. Like uh, if you follow Edward Rooney's story through the movie, like how he just reacts to things and like him trying to sneak into Ferris Bueller's parents' house and, he get you know, after getting mauled by the dog and, like, the whole thing when he's riding the bus on the way home and just all that is just comedic gold, but there's not... Most of it's just silent, but it's just right hilarious yeah. because of the way it's acted. So, um, another funny Ferris Bueller story that I just thought of is uh, one of my favorite theaters in uh, the area I live is Hollywood Palms. I don't know, is that a nationwide chain or not? I don't know if somebody's listening um, that's in a I, different time I don't know. Zone. That's a good question. But we have this theater by us called Hollywood Palms that uh, it's one of those theaters you can order dinner at, and everything's decorated. Oh yeah, very old time. I don't know if the, I don't know if the name is like countrywide, but right, the right. idea of that's countrywide. Yeah. but it's it's also like the way it's decorated is very old timey Hollywood with palm trees. There's like a waterfall in the lobby. There's 
crazy like tiki statues all over and it's it's really fun to go to but after every movie they play the end of ferris bueller scene where he comes out of the bedroom he's like what are you doing the movie's over go home you know that whole shtick and so the last movie we saw was uh oh me and my wife the last movie we saw there was uh deadpool 2 yeah and after the credits roll that scene starts playing and we're like Really? They did this in the first Deadpool, and now they're doing it again in the second well, one? Well, in the first Deadpool, it's Deadpool that pokes his exactly. head out and goes, Oh, hey, you're still here? <laughs> well, I guess I'll give you a spoiler about the next movie. Okay. Yeah, but, but you can imagine Deadpool 2 knowing that happened in the first one, and just seeing that shot of the Ferris I know. Bueller hallway. Yeah, no, like, that's totally... Okay, this is weird. And then it was Ferris Bueller who came out. We're like, oh, yeah, they do this at the end of every movie. But then we're thinking, how weird would it have been to see Deadpool 1 here when they do that scene? And then after that scene, it goes right into the Ferris Bueller scene right after that. So <laughs> I kind of wanted to experience that as like a weird deja vu thing, but I just think it's... Did, didn't you just say that? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, moving on, uh, my actual first pick of the list, my number five on the list is Star Trek IV The Voyage Home. Um, I really like this movie. Captain Kirk goes back in time to save some whales, but it starts out. It starts out in the future Star Trek timeline, and then comes back, and it's an '80s comedy. Um, it's it's just gold in terms of like the comedy that they play. Um, I I know a lot of people remember the scene with uh, Scotty trying to use the computer, and he's like, "Computer." hello computer and then someone's like no you have to use this and they hand him the mouse and he like pulls the mouse up to his mouth and he's like computer <laughs> like um no it's just it's just a really funny movie it's it's probably one of the better of the star trek films even though it falls on the campy aspect of some of the things they could have done right so i love that uh that scotty bit's really funny because it's like the opposite of like the caveman coming to the future and being too ignorant to use the computer. This is like somebody who's so advanced he can't use our primitive technology, and I like that twist on it. But this movie, um, I know growing up, like Drew, you, and the rest of my brothers and cousins were really into Star Wars and Star Trek, and you guys were watching a lot of Star Trek movies a lot. And uh, I saw this movie probably in like 1992 or like years after it came out. And when I saw it, like, I don't know if somebody in our family rented it or something, I thought this movie was much newer than 1986. Like, I thought it came out when you guys rented well, it. Well, I didn't realize it was this year. I was just yeah. looking up the two movies that came out, and I went, oh, that was that yeah. year, okay. And it made the short list real fast. It but was just I, kind of a funny thing for me where I just didn't realize that's when it happened. But uh, I also remember one of my favorite lines from the movie is uh, one of the main characters they meet on earth is this woman named alice and they invite her onto the enterprise and i remember uh william shatner has that line hello alice welcome to wonderland (laughs) she comes out i remembered that line my whole life so (laughs) i don't remember that scene okay that's all right i haven't seen the movie in a while so uh what's your top what's your number five my number five is Big Trouble in Little China. All right. So this movie, um, I think it would rank higher on my list if I grew up with it, but I actually wasn't, I hadn't seen it till I was like in my 20s. I think uh, me and some friends in college decided to rent it and watch it as a group. And this movie is just hilarious. Like it's equal parts 
sarcastic, self-aware corniness, as well as just badass action movie. Um, this is uh, Kurt Russell is great in this movie. Kurt Russell being great and doing great at what he does. He's a badass trucker who gets caught up in this weird situation where one of his friends, uh, girlfriends or fiance, I think it's his fiance, is kidnapped, and it's she's kidnapped by this like weird like magical kung fu cult who's like trying to steal a uh, green-eyed woman to sacrifice to some god <laughs> and he ends up getting caught and brought into this like underworld of chinatown yeah. into this crazy adventure to rem to rescue her but i was thinking about this movie when i was doing this list and it's really interesting because it's a uh, it's like an adventure movie. Like he's like going in these weird like underground tombs and stuff. Movies like this always catch my attention because of the adventure, and it's because of that adventure you don't see coming. Mm -hmm. So go ahead. I didn't well, mean to interrupt you. I just, just I really like movies that do that. So if like if somebody says to me adventure movie, like the first place I go is like Indiana Jones or like some crazy or adventure Pirates of the in Caribbean the, or it's or, like in the jungle or somewhere exotic but this is in Chinatown in New York City and it's like some crazy there's like <laughs> underground tombs and just weird stuff bizarrely you, you don't in. bizarrely you don't think of adventures and babysitting <laughs> <laughs> that's true um but yeah and then the other cool part about this movie is that just there's so many good practical like special effects and makeup effects in this movie there's a part where uh, the main characters have to fight this giant orangutan-looking monster yeah. for some reason. I don't know why, but it's badass. There's a like a floating monster who looks a lot like a beholder from D and D. It's just cool. Like there's so much cool, like crazy monsters and kind of magical aspects of this movie. And you're so. making me want to rewatch this movie. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, you've basically blown that movie up a little bit i don't know what else to say what to follow to say, it. Yeah, yeah exactly it's just a really fun watch and it's it's like so 80s in the best way possible i think so. yeah yeah there you go um all right so moving on uh my number four is labyrinth okay uh this is if you don't know this movie this is jim henson productions basically taking uh they have two movies that are not considered muppets uh, Dark Crystal and Labyrinth are considered uh, Mupp, uh, Jim Henson's creatures, I believe is the t term they use. They that sounds right. That and then Jim Henson also did like a uh, fairy tale miniseries or something on yeah. HBO. That's also considered well. This that, is but, yeah. a lot of people know this movie because of David Bowie as the Goblin King and you know um, Jennifer Jennifer Conley. Yeah, Jennifer Conley is trying to rescue her brother from the Goblin King yeah. in the Labyrinth, and it's. It's mixed with these great, colorful characters, and you're in this, you're on this adventure through a labyrinth, and it's, it's so charming, in the sense that, you know, we get really excited about things that we like. We get really excited about looking at, we take talking about these movies, but like I know that I can talk to you about Luke Skywalker or Batman or you know whatever. As if they're real people and you look at me like I'm a sane person. Okay? Jennifer Conley in this movie is all into this book called The Labyrinth. And she's really, like, into it, into the lore, into the mythos. So much that in her mind she's kind of living this. Mm -hmm. And it's and her parents think she's stupid. And, you know, they don't understand her, like, I, I the way she uh, idealizes herself with the, you know, the fantasy of this fictional world. And then she finds out that it's all real. 
Like, mm-hmm. that's awesome. I'd love to wake up tomorrow and have a Batmobile parked <laughs> in my garage. But, that's, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's not going to happen. But the um, the idea... The idea that you take the the character the the real person into the fantasy world that they thought was fake and they find out it's real and they get to go on this adventure in the world that they love that just that's really cool and it's such mm-hmm. a fun movie uh, if you haven't seen this by all means you got to get your kids down and watch this movie it's such a great movie I uh, I re went I recently went and looked watched rewatched the trailer for this. Okay, that sounds very interesting. Yeah, don't. Just take my recommendation and watch the movie if you've never seen it. (laughs) Skip the trailer. Don't use that as a sign at all to see this movie. Because I went, you know, I saw this movie when I was a kid, so I was blind. I didn't go in, I didn't see any trailers. I just watched the movie. Right. Um, I mean, I love this movie. Like, I think this movie is great. Um, This movie, when you watch it, is just like imagination on screen. Like, there's just so much into it. The craftsmanship is amazing. All the puppets. The monsters, the, the characters they have are so cool, but then the sets and this world of the labyrinth that was created. Um, I think I, when I first watched this as a kid, it really captured my attention because I was just really into mazes too, and it was a movie about a maze. Like, you never see that that often. And right. It was really fun at the time. And um, then you have Maze Runner that comes out. <laughs> right, right. Which I like the first one a lot, and then I kind of quit the series. I didn't mean but... to derail your... No, I know. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, but this movie also, it's just... The way it's written is so cool. Um, it's This movie and Never Ending Story are kind of written in a way where almost every line of the movie is kind of a moral or a lesson that like a kid can learn while watching it. And there's so much subtlety and kind of deepness to like almost every line of this movie that you can take one line and just read in multiple meanings to and it's so cool the way they do that and then uh going with the writing of this movie too there's also a lot of very interesting fan theories about this movie i don't know if you've ever heard about this so like one of the fan theories is that there's been many Sarahs that have been caught in the labyrinth. Um, if you don't know Jennifer Connelly's character, her character named Sarah, and uh, the idea is that Jareth, the Goblin King, was in love with a woman named oh, Sarah. Oh yes, at one I point. did hear this. And uh, because of that, I don't know if she died or something, but he repeatedly brings other girls and named Sarah into the labyrinth, trying to win her love over. And uh, it's kind of a cool theory. The biggest thing to support it is. Uh, when Sarah first meets the character uh, Hoggle, uh, he says something to her, like he calls her a name or something, and she's like, that's not my name, I'm Sarah, or something like that, and his response is, that's what I figured. Like, he goes, that's what I figured, and that's kind of what kind of leads people down that path of that fan theory. I always thought that that's what I figured idea was just a really clever, like, retort to something where she just yells... I'm Sarah, and he yells, that's what I figured, shut up, it's like what he's thinking, <laughs> so I always right. loved that, but um, there's another theory that um, Jareth is actually uh, Sarah's stepfather on her mom's side, and an interesting part about that is when you're in her bedroom at the beginning of the movie, on her mirror, there's like little pictures on the corner, and there's one picture that people believe is her mother and david bowie's in the picture next to her so well these are the people that like to pause and look at backgrounds yes yes but (laughs) basically whether you want to subscribe to that theory or not i like the idea that the sets are that detailed that there's little details to look into like that so 
Yeah, Labyrinth is awesome. Mm -hmm. One other thing I thought when you're talking about her being so into these characters is she was kind of uh, cosplaying and stuff before she cosplay. Was, she was heavily cosplaying <laughs> like, before you watched, cosplay like, was a thing. <laughs> you We watched the first scene of that movie and she's cosplaying in the park just casually by herself and yeah. people are tra probably driving by going, what, what is going on? And that was before, and now if someone was doing that in the park, no one would think twice. Yeah, <laughs> so. for sure. Uh, what's your number four? I feel like we're wow. I can't feel believe. like we're I, like we're not moving as fast as usual. It's fair. So. Um, my number four pick is The Fly. All right, starring uh, Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis. Um, this movie is kind of the classic tale of the scientist who turns himself into the monster. Um, couple episodes ago or more than a couple we talked about our favorite marvel villains i just i just watched a making of this movie oh, i randomly awesome. i randomly came across it and i'm like oh making of the fly and i just watched it mm -hmm. and it was awesome um so yeah i mean this is uh i on the marvel episode i was talking about the lizard and the lizard's backstory is very similar to jeff goldblum's story in this movie yeah. but long story short he goes through a teleporting device that he makes and he doesn't realize that a fly went in with him. His DNA gets crossed with the fly and he slowly starts to turn into a human-fly hybrid. Um, the biggest reason I picked this movie is, like, it's really well done. I think there's a lot of memorable lines. Like, everybody knows the be afraid, be very afraid Gina, Gina Davis line from the movie, but... I think this movie, like, I saw at a really young age, probably much too younger, like, way too young than I should have, but so many parts of this movie have stuck with me for life. Like, uh, the part where uh, Jeff Goldblum goes to eat a donut, and he uh, he pukes on it, because he's turning into a fly, and that's how flies eat. They puke on their food, and then they suck it <laughs> right. up. And at that part of the it's movie... It's not a very appetizing movie, but... Go ahead. At that part of the movie, that was literally the most disgusting thing I'd ever seen. And, like, now I watch that and it's not even, like, I'm so desensitized <laughs> to it that's, to, like, gross out stuff that doesn't matter. But at the time, that was so disgusting. And then little did I know the movie was going to go down much more disgusting paths <laughs> shortly after that. But, yeah, I just think it's a great watch and it's, it's well done and it's just kind of uh, something I think you should see and just kind of... I love that sort of, should we play God? Should we play this far with technology and that sort of themes in movies? So. Yeah. Right on. All right. Well, I don't really have much to add to the fly. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I feel like every time I hand it over to you, you're gushing over it so much. You're saying everything I can say. Um, all right. So my number three is Stand By Me. Oh, nice. Yeah. You've seen this, right? Oh, yeah. yeah this movie's great. This movie's fantastic. It's the bunch of boys go on an adventure to find a dead body. Um, they, they hear a kid got killed and they, the body's still out there, so they want to see it. Will Wheaton, River Phoenix, Corey Feldman, Jerry O'Connell, it's such a, and then a young, uh, Kiefer Sutherland, it's just such a good, um, boyhood adventure movie about a bunch of boys on the road trying to do this thing. Mm -hmm. Like, they just want to, I just, you know, uh, written by Stephen King. Um, and then, I mean, just the scene, just the scene alone where Will Wheaton tells the story about the state fair, about everyone throwing <laughs> up during the pie eating contest is one of yeah. the, it's one of the, probably one of the best like comedic scenes in general. But I mean, this movie is just so touching and kind of heartwarming and like, I feel like everyone in their lives has been in a situation like that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, not necessarily looking for a dead body, but 
yeah, in but general, the, uh, they've all been in the situation. The coming of age bonding between the kids and their friends, and you can definitely right. watch it and relate to it. And it, it's one of those movies you watch, and it just brings you back to a younger time in your life. Um, I like this movie a lot, too. Um, the reason it actually barely didn't make my list, and the, really the only reason is when it comes to these kinds of movies, I guess... I always go like my go-to in my brain is always like Goonies, and then sure after like more recently, Stranger Things kind of has taken over that kind of spot right. in my mind. Well, but this this movie falls totally in line with the Stranger Things mentality. Exactly. Like, you look at what Stranger Things was built off of: Stand mm-hmm. by Me, Goonies, ET. Like that. That's totally where that movie, the show, is mm-hmm. based off of. Yeah. The um. So, so you understand how I put together my lists every week? Is I kind of make a short list that falls yeah. in the category. And then as I narrow it down, I always look at there's an issue of rewatchability. There's an issue of this is how I feel about it, like personally. Yeah. But then that comes down to this is an issue of such like and then I have to always step back and look at it as a film student and go, This is such a well made movie. Exactly. You know what I mean? And no, I'm trying I, to look at it from all these aspects that a lot of critics today I don't feel like they do. <laughs> I, I have a but. very have a pretty similar process, and this list was actually really hard for me. So I did I think three different drafts of my list, and at one point Stanley or Stanley 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 Stan made a cam- cameo in this episode, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, Stand by Me was on my list at right one on. point, but was um, it a book then? It's a short story, I yeah. believe, by Stephen King. So yeah, I just know Stephen King wrote it. I know I don't think it's a full book, like in one of his full novels. So you're not going to find like an 800 page Stand by Me storybook on the shelves. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure, yeah, short story is what I think it is. So what's your number three? My number three is Top Gun. Oh, sweet. So it's hard to kind of know where to start with this movie, but for me, this movie is another one where it just goes straight back to my childhood. Um, me and my brothers, as Drew knows, we loved playing the Stop Gun. Ad Top nauseum Gun. times that we watched this it, yeah. movie. <laughs> um, we all kind of, we would ride our bikes around and pretend we were fl- fighter pilots. We all had our own call signs that we would have as if right. we were fighter and pilots. we all fought Top over Gun. trying to play, trying to be Maverick. So, yeah. <laughs> um, in general, like this movie just... When I watch it, I get such a warm feeling because it brings me back to those days. And it also is just such a pump-up sort of movie, for lack of a better term, filled with pump-up music. And it's just, I don't know, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel feel pumped. I like the characters a lot. I'm looking Um, forward to the sequel. (laughs) I probably burned burned through, I think, three different VHS copies of Top Gun because mm-hmm. of the amount of time that the amount the amount of times that I watched the movie. Uh, if you didn't know they are filming Top Gun 2 right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Cruise, I know Val Kilmer's coming back. Like I'm I'm really, really excited and I guarantee my butt will be in a seat that opening weekend. Yeah. So um, it'll be cool to see those two that you just mentioned in those characters again. And see how they play off each other. And right. I don't know if well, hey, both. if you were if you remember the end of Top Gun, Maverick was a he decided he wanted to be an instructor. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm really curious to see how that plays. Uh, it makes me wonder: is Iceman a instructor as well now? Or well, we don't know what Iceman did. Yeah, we don't know what he went off and did. We just know mm-hmm. that Maverick requested to be an instructor because they gave him the you can go anywhere you want. Yeah. But I mean, 
I know this movie gets this movie gets made fun of because of the volleyball scene. Yeah. Um, but Robot Chicken did. Yeah. One everyone of the best everyone way. pokes fun at the volleyball scene a little bit, but this <laughs> movie as a whole, like I wanted to be a pilot after I saw this movie. Maybe not military, but I wanted to fly planes. Yeah. And that's when I found out I was colorblind, and that dream got squashed real fast. So. Yeah. yeah it's um, super cool, super good. It's hard to. It's one of those movies like I love it so much, but it's hard to say specifically what exactly it is it's just growing up with it and just everything right. so well done and it just right. makes you want to go conquer the world after so you see it I guess. i'm going <laughs> to i'm going to very i'm not going to shut down the top gun conversation real briefly yeah go for it because we could be gushing about this movie for a long time <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna move to my number two because my number two is top gun okay nice. so nice <laughs> uh we can very briefly skip over that um, only because we've been talking about it. So, um, but yeah, my number two is Top Gun. Just I can't I can't give this movie enough praise. So um, that's that's one movie that I could probably quote all the way through without the movie playing and just quote you the entire film if I really you know. And the <laughs> um, soundtrack's amazing. Yeah, so. for sure. Uh, thing about Top Gun, have you watched it with anybody for the first time now? Because I wonder if it's one of those things like for new viewers in 2018. Do they relate to it and get into it as much? Unfortunately, no, but I do wonder how yeah. it would play. I have a feeling that might come to surface here because Top Gun 2 is coming and people yeah. are going to want to refresh themselves and like, oh, I haven't seen that in a while and they're going to want to watch. Um, so Yeah, I'd, I'd just be interested. It doesn't detract from my love of the movie. I just always kind of yeah. want to know those things, you know. It's right. like one of the coolest 80s movies, but today, how does it hold up, you know? so right. So All right. Uh, my number one or number two. You're, I guess. you're number two. My number two pick for the night is Aliens. Aliens. Yes. I love this movie. Uh, gush about it for a minute. Go ahead. Okay. So Aliens <laughs> is obviously the sequel to Alien. Um, this movie, uh, after Ridley Scott did the first movie, Jim, Jim, James Cameron. Jim Cameron, over. James Cameron. He okay, goes that's, by probably, both. that's probably what screwed me up there. I, like, I don't say he it out loud a lot, so... I know he goes by both, so... Okay, so uh, James Cameron took over for Aliens, and he kind of just turned everything up a notch. Like He, he uh, just turned everything up to 11. Like, why do we have exactly. one alien? Let's have thousands mm-hmm. of them. And he turned it... He took it from, like, this kind of gothic horror movie in space to being just this crazy, really good action movie about marines fighting these creatures that were established in the first one and the way you the way you say that what i think is interesting is that that first movie is your haunted house yep your second movie james cameron was like how do i make the haunted house again mm-hmm. but i you know he still made it t- like it's still terrifying yeah so no aliens a- the alien franchise as a whole is one of my all-time favorite science fiction franchises period mm-hmm. so yeah it's up there with i feel like it's up there with Star Wars, Star Trek, like Aliens, I feel like might be in the top five as far as just, you know, the big tentpole sci-fi franchises. But uh, this movie, it's just super fun, super cool. Uh, I feel like it kind of started this trend of, how do I want to put, Space Marines fighting aliens. I feel like, I don't know if Aliens was the first movie to do the Marines (laughs) versus the aliens, but I feel like... In movies and video games, they've just done this ad nauseum, whether it's with uh, Halo, Warhammer, Doom. We were right. talking about Doom a couple weeks ago. Well, and I mentioned I mentioned uh, this a while back because we talked to, when we were talking about our favorite Marvel villains, and I mentioned I like alien hive mentality. Yeah. This is one where it's just like aliens running around all over the place, and that 
hive mentality aspect. You have your queen, you have your workers, you have your, you know, the evolution of the creature alone. The alien lays, the, the queen lays the egg. The egg gives birth to an alien that's a face hugger, or we refer to as a face hugger, that like wraps around a person's face um, and lays an egg in their stomach. That egg grows and then bursts out of the person's chest to be growing up to the actual, what we know is in the xenomorph that is the mm. alien. You know, the evolution of that creature, if you watch the entire franchise, including the two new ones, Prometheus and Alien Covenant, it's just astounding when you think about that. Like, each Alien movie is, like, kind of the same story, but, you know, you, you go in and you kind of know what you're getting, yeah. but each movie gives you a little bit more into how this creature exists. Yeah. And it's so fascinating that they basically went, we got to make a whole new creature from scratch, and we got to make it terrifying. Mm-hmm. And when people say aliens, I'm not sure people think of the little green man image anymore. I think <laughs> this is what they think of as yeah. the scariest thing possible. Yeah, for sure. So, and the artwork, like H.G. H. Geiger, he did the artwork for the mm-hmm. alien, like the concept and everything. I, I, I don't know how you could make it any scarier. Like there's no alien to yeah. me that's scarier in terms of that stuff. And I so. like how um, it's kind of cool going back to the first movie – they used, a, because of H.R. Geiger's style, they used a lot of, like, kind of weird, like, tubes and stuff on the body of this alien, which are kind of have more of an industrial look almost, and they kind of made this organic-looking creature out of it. But I think because they were able to use those materials back in, what was it, 78 or something? When the uh, first, 78 was the first, first alien. Yeah, 78 was like. the first and, one. And it just made... It 78 looked, or 79. The creature looked so believable back then with how they were able yeah. to do it just off of H.R. Geiger's style. And of course the special effects have kept progressing, but I think the whole time having his artwork as a motif throughout the movies has just worked so well because... You watch Alien Covenant, and the aliens look really believable, but the old ones still hold the up. The old as ones well, so. hold up, mm-hmm. and it's and it's partially to James Cameron's shooting style. Like mm-hmm. he had to make these creatures look real. So you know you can do whatever you want with makeup and lighting and everything, but you still have to shoot it properly. It's kind of like the shark in Jaws. Mm-hmm. You got to shoot. It's a mechanical shark, but you got to shoot it to make it look real. And you know so. Um, this is going to bring us to my number one, yeah. which is Aliens. Nice. So okay. Aliens made my number one. This is a rewatchability. This is a masterpiece of storytelling. This is a masterpiece of filmmaking. Um, if you can get your chance, if you can get your hands on the director's cut, there's some footage that's really, really cool that they added about like those scenes where they're putting the stationary guns in the hallways to watch the rooms that they're camping <laughs> out in in the base and. Like, there's some really cool stuff that got added. I'm just saying, Aliens is so good. I could gush about it for the rest of the night. But exactly. We are, I, we're going to run long if I do that. So. <laughs> Fair enough. That's an awesome first pick. Uh, I could probably reveal mine if you're ready then, uh, yep. which is Labyrinth, actually. Fantastic. I, I love Labyrinth. I mean, we talked about it a lot, but I just think it's so impressive, the creativity and the story and the craft that went into the movie and i guess we could leave it at that for now so awesome all right well that brings us to the end of the list um which makes it my pick for next week um i was thinking when i was looking back at lists that we've done we haven't done an actor yet so i wanted to choose an actor and look at that actor's body of work and choose our favorites now when i say this this does not this actor just has to appear in the movie this doesn't have to be them in a lead role so as long as they were in the movie, it counts. So we're going to go and look at Scarlett Johansson movies. 
Okay. Um, I just picked an actor that I knew had a large body of work. There was no rhyme or reason. It wasn't like, ooh, I really like Scarlett Johansson. I mean, I do, but that wasn't a thought in my mind. I was more like, who's got a large body? So of uh, work that we can, <laughs> a large body of work that we can look at. Right. Okay. Um, but before we close everything tonight, I gave you a piece of homework from last week. Do you remember? Yeah. Do you have an answer to the question? Well, I had an answer last week. All right. I've thought about it much less than I should have before All this right. week, but I can go. All right. Well, let's see what you got because we can always come back to this. So real quickly, we'll end the show with this before we uh, close everything out. The question I asked Peter is that I got a text message in the middle of last week's episode about who we think, who I think, between DC Comics and Marvel Comics, so this excludes any independent stuff, so just DC and Marvel, who do I think the greatest villain is? Do you want to answer first or do you want me to answer? Sure. Um, I can give my answer. Okay, so, go ahead. I'll preface this with saying I've never... Um, when I when I get, like, who's my favorite villain or something, there's a lot of things that go into it. I never think that necessarily their power level is what does it for me. It's always character, craftiness, skill level, etc. And my favorite villain out of all comics, I think, is the Joker. Like, I just think the Joker is such an iconic character. You think supervillain, you think of the Joker right away. He's got an iconic look. He's part of the cultural subconsciousness, however you want to phrase it. But this is a character who is really impressive, too, when you go into kind of uh, his divisive and his uh, scheme, like his divisive ways and his scheming and stuff. Um, One of my favorite... uh, DC Comics storylines is uh, it's uh, entitled Justice and it's I can't remember who wrote it but it's Alex Ross does all the artwork and uh, there's a part oh in Justice that, is great yes yeah. I, I was blanking for the yeah. briefest moment I'm like it's, it's a Justice League story and there's a part of that story where it shows Joker and Arkham and I, I think he's talking to a guard or something and he says something like you know I can leave here anytime you anytime I want don't you and the card, guard's just like yeah sure whatever and then later in the comic, you see it happen. Well, you don't see it happen, but you see Joker's all of a sudden outside of Arkham proving, yeah, he's literally that skillful that he can literally just thievery his way out of Arkham whenever the heck he wants, and it doesn't matter. And that's what he that's what he did. You didn't even see it on panel, though, which brings in this whole new world of imagining it in his head, how it goes through. Um and I just think it's so cool. You've seen, like, in Justice, he went toe-to-toe with Superman. I mean, he got punched through the chest when he did that, obviously. Right. But he's really a fearless, really kind of smart in his own insane sort of way. Right. And he's really iconic. So. so you're going to the Joker. Yes. Fair enough. And everything you've said is great. And I've always liked Joker. Yeah. The Joker made... I came down to two villains that I had to really decide between in terms right. of this argument. And I really wanted to name the Joker as my greatest, as my favorite. The Joker's probably my favorite villain on the DC side, period. Right. But when I have to look at greatest villain, I really had to think long and hard about what makes a villain a villain, what makes a villain motivated and all that stuff. Yeah. And the Joker said it right. He said it himself in The Dark Knight when he told Harvey Dent that he's like a dog chasing cars. He wouldn't know what to do with one if he caught it. Okay. And that's the thing about the Joker. There's a level of unpredictability, but there's also a level of I'm doing this for the sake of doing it as opposed to actually having an agenda. (laughs) So Joker's terrifying because he's unpredictable and you don't know what he's going to do next. 
But because of that statement, it really made me think long and hard about what makes a villain a villain. And then I thought, the villains that scared me the most have always been the villains that think that they're correct. Think that they're right. Mm-hmm. Their agenda is above all and more important than anything else. If you look at Infinity War, when you get the Thanos backstory, Thanos himself knows that he's right. Mm-hmm. Okay, and he's going to do everything in his power, including sacrificing his daughters, to achieve this goal of his. Thanos is not my pick. I'm just using that as an example. Yeah. So I thought about it, and when I thought about torment, when I thought about things that these people have to go through in their lives to get to where they are, and then to still have this idea that they're right, the villain that I think is the greatest villain in between the two companies is Magneto. When you look at how he was tortured as a child... Uh, being in the concentration camps, to being a mutant and having to deal with being having to deal with the Holocaust and being in a concentration camp, to being a mutant and deal with the racial prejudice and stuff like that, and then you look at things going on today, and knowing that Magneto in today's society is still fighting for this fact that he knows that he is the next stage of human evolution, and he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. What gets in his way to achieve the fact that he is better than everyone else? Even though he teeters on the good versus bad line, sometimes he's a good guy, sometimes he's a bad guy, at the end, his agenda is the most important thing. And that kind of stuff, I think, is terrifying. So I choose Magneto as my, um, is, who I think is the greatest villain that's been written in comic books. Nice. So That's a good choice. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, Lex Luthor is one of my Lex Luthor kind of made my shortlist when I was really thinking that. So a lot of the same reasons as your Magneto stuff. Like this is a guy bent always, on getting power and who can achieve it and right. can control. Well, I always felt that Lex so. Luthor's it was all built on the fact that he's jealous that he's not Superman. Yeah. So I mean, you know what I mean? Like it. that's that's how I always I'm like he wanted to be Superman trying to save everybody and then Superman shows up and he's like, Well what about me? <laughs> like <laughs> you know, I feel like that's where a lot that's of that's true, and I, I feel like there's a couple different iterations of his origin that are really similar to that. But uh I just still think motivations aside, he's one of the smartest people in the DC universe. Oh, sure. And yeah. he has proven time and time again like he will become, he will obtain the power to do whatever he wants, and usually it's to depower superheroes. So. Now, I do think it's funny that if we had a greatest hero argument, I'm going to say Batman, you're going to say Superman, and there's going to be no pushing. <laughs> For sure. There's going to be no mm-hmm. push and shove there. It's like we don't even have to have that question answered. Mm-hmm. So, um, at any rate, uh, I think we did it. We're going to close out tonight. So. Um, so, what we'll do is, uh, you know what? Uh, episode's done. We'll see you guys all next week. We'll discuss uh, top five Scarlett Johansson uh, movies and whatever news pops up. So uh, subscribe to us. We're on iTunes. Leave us a leave us a review. We'd love to hear the feedback. If you want to interact with the show, shoot us an email at top5report at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Feel free to comment there. Follow us on Twitter at top5report. And if you want to follow me personally, I am Drew at Drew3927. Uh, same with Instagram, Drew3927. I'm a little more active on Twitter, but uh, Peter, anything from you? Oh uh, yeah, uh, I'm Peter, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's about it. Cool. Ryan looks like he's about to fall asleep, so probably nothing from him. <laughs> um, so uh, for the top five report, I'm Drew. I'll see you next week. Peter, bye everybody. Bye, everybody.